Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 2 of the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful study of the Scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. My name is Zach. And I'm Krista. And we are excited to be with you. We're excited for a new study, a new season, the New Testament, a new curriculum, all things new. And we're just excited to dive in. Yeah, so... We kind of just wanted to reintroduce ourselves a little bit. For those of you who have been around last year, thank you for coming back. And for those of you that are new, um, we are husband and wife um, just podcasting because we, I think because... Husband and wife, mom and dad by day, podcasting duo by night. That's right. I think I was going to say because the reasons that we wanted a podcast, one... We like to talk <laughs> too much. Two, we love scriptures. Three, we want to do something because we love Jesus Christ. We love God and we are grateful to kind of have this place to, to talk about the things that we love. It's been really exciting when we first got the idea for this podcast, we knew kind of some general ideas of what we wanted it to be, but not really a whole lot of specifics. And it kind of evolved over the course of our first season. And um, as we kind of co-created this with our listeners, we got a lot of feedback on things that were happening and we liked what was happening. So we tried to do more of that. And it's evolved into this really, we like, or, or something that we hope it is, is that it's uh, a beginning of a powerful scripture study for you. So this isn't the highlight of your scripture study. It's the beginning of your finding your own highlights. And of course, with the new curriculum coming out, um, we're hoping that this does for you uh, or enables you to be able to, as our intro says, passionately teach others what you're becoming passionate about in your own personal study. Yeah, we've always just really felt passionate that if you can get something out of your study and if you feel feel fire behind the scriptures, behind your testimony of Jesus Christ, behind knowing that he's there for you, that it becomes very natural to teach. And that's why we love this Come Follow Me, because that's exactly what we're hoping to do. So I wanted to ask you, Zach, what is your favorite review that we got last year or your most, maybe your most memorable? Um, That we are cheesy, but that we have a good podcast. That was we just got that one like two weeks ago. Yeah, so you might find out that that's true. I think that's kind of true here. We've recorded the intro to this episode three times, and the first two times were too cheesy for listening ears. So yeah, so if you're if you like cheesy, then you're sad that we didn't do that one. Anyway, I think one of my, one of mine, since actually that was going to be mine, but you stole it, um, is just that a lot of people were experiencing what we hoped that we were making their mind shift a little about what scripture study needs to be. And I hope that's really what you feel as you listen is that kind of breaking down those walls of what you think scripture study needs to be, um, especially as you're trying to teach your family and get to your, get this, this fire to your family as well. So anyway, um, well, a couple of things that we're doing this year, um, in connection with the new curriculum, we will be following along with the Come Follow Me curriculum. So 
Each episode will study the scriptures that are outlined in the curriculum. Um, our goal isn't to study exactly what's outlined in the curriculum because that's already there for you and we hope that you have that meaningful experience. What we want to do though is set you up for a powerful personal study and then maybe provide some questions, some ideas, some resources even um, for you if you're studying with other people, if you're teaching children or if you're teaching a spouse or or teaching others in a group um, to be able to have those kind of resources to be able to do that. So one of the things that would really help us do this, one of the big thoughts we had for this season is uh, season one, we did a lot of talking, we did a lot of sharing, we did a lot of resource sharing, um, and we've now got this kind of community, small community of people that are listening and following along um, who have just as much passion for the scriptures as we do, just as much, if not more, experience and knowledge with uh, studying the scriptures or teaching families. And so what we would love to do is create a community with our listeners where we're all sharing and talking about what we're learning, how we're learning it, how we're teaching it, the experiences we're having, um, sharing ideas that might help other listeners. We'd love to use this podcast as a platform for you to be able to share ideas and experiences, ask questions, get answers, etc., from from the others that are participating in this. Yeah, because another part of maybe a little about us is that we are the parents of four young children. So we're in kind of in the trenches with all of you. And this is also new for us. And we know that we're certainly not the experts on all of this. So we just look forward to, to learning from you and maybe giving out some information too that you, that you guys have. So our family right now, we have our oldest is eight. We have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. So we are just busy doing the parenting thing, the sleepy, doing dishes, cleaning up kids, messes type people. We wipe a lot of bums. <laughs> yes, and... <laughs> I was going to say, that's my PhD. Zach is currently <laughs> working on a on a much more interesting PhD mm, right now. It's get more interesting than wiping bums. Almost, almost finished up with um, a PhD in education, master's degree from BYU. Um, he teaches religious education. Well, he's a seminary teacher and has done so for the past 10 years. And I stay at home. I've dabbled in a little bit of, of everything in my in my mom career. Krista works with the other women on the small seed. Yes, and I do that. does a great job there. And do a little bit of photography, kind of just, I think it's, it's a fun day and age to be a mom because you kind of get to dabble in a little bit of everything. And I do enjoy my PhD in bum wiping there even. Go. There you go. So. so that's us. We'd love to learn a lot more about you. The whole idea behind this being a scripture study project is that we're all working together. So... With that, what we want to do in this episode is provide you with an introduction to the New Testament, a little bit of an introduction to the Come Follow Me curriculum, and kind of chart the course for where we're going over the next 50 plus episodes. So, we wanted to start actually not with our words, but with Elder Christofferson's words. A couple years ago, he told a story in a general conference address that has since been turned into a really powerful Mormon message. We'll put the link to that in our show notes, and we'll play the audio of it here for you to kind of introduce where we're going.
On October 6, in the year 1536, a pitiful figure was led from a dungeon in Villevorde Castle near Brussels, Belgium. For nearly a year and a half, the man had suffered isolation in a dark, damp cell. In a heated exchange with a cleric who argued against putting scripture in the hands of the common man, the man vowed, if God spares my life, I will cause the boy that drives the plow to know more of the scriptures than the Pope himself. Now, outside the castle wall, the prisoner was fastened to a post. He had time to utter aloud his final prayer. Lord, open the King of England's eyes. And then he was strangled. Immediately, his body was burned at the stake. Who was this man, and what was the offense? His name was William Tyndale, and his crime was to have translated and published the Bible in English. In Tyndale's day, scriptural ignorance abounded because people lacked access to the Bible. Today, the Bible and other scripture are readily at hand, yet there is a growing scriptural illiteracy. What did people in 16th century England who paid enormous sums and ran grave personal risks for access to a Bible, what did they understand that we should also understand? The scriptures are the standard for distinguishing truth and error. The scriptures enlarge our memory by helping us always to remember the Lord and our relationship to Him and the Father. Those who either don't have or ignore the recorded Word of God eventually cease to believe in Him and forget the purpose of their existence. Consider the magnitude of our blessing. To have the Holy Bible and some 900 additional pages of Scripture, including the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price. Surely with this blessing, the Lord is telling us that our need for constant recourse to the Scriptures is greater than in any previous time. May we feast continuously on the words of Christ that will tell us all things we should do. I bear you my testimony of the Father and the Son as they are revealed in the Holy Scriptures. You know, one of my passions is to search for random pieces of information on the internet. And I did a search a couple of years ago on the most expensive things. And I found a whole bunch of things from a, a burger that you can buy in Paris that's $5,000 to a dog collar for your dog that's $3.2 million to a Jackson Pollock painting that's $140 million to the most expensive thing that I could find was a yacht that was $4.8 billion that was decorated with T-Rex bones and miniature meteorite fragments. Well, the reason I was looking that up is because I wanted to see how the scriptures compared in worth. There's this interesting phrase, the paragraph really, from the introduction of the Bible, if you have the King James Bible. The second paragraph says, these are the translators of the King James Bible, the committee that was put together uh, to translate. And it says this, Among all our joys, there was no one that more filled our hearts 
than the blessed continuance of the preaching of God's sacred word among us, which is that inestimable treasure, which excelleth all the riches of the earth. Because the fruit thereof extendeth itself not only to the time spent in this transitory world, but directeth and disposeth men unto that eternal happiness which is above in heaven. It's just a beautiful introduction to the Bible. And so we want to start this episode with that idea. Um, as Elder Christofferson taught, and as many have experienced, the Bible is this work that has cost thousands of years of sweat, effort, and blood even to exist in its present state. And there's hundreds of translations, all with, with benefits and different uh, peculiarities or unique things to them, but all of them have that same core that is, this is a book that for 2,000 years has meant the world and then some to billions upon billions of people. And so the question we want to start the podcast with is, why does it mean that much to people? Why? What is it about the Bible, and specifically what is it about the New Testament, that means that much to William Tyndale? That means that much to us, and that means that much to you. And so we wanted to jump into a story that gets really at the heart of what the New Testament is, and it's in John chapter 1. In your Come Follow Me curriculum, the very first scripture that's referenced for the first lesson, which is we are all responsible for our own learning, is that Jesus often asked his disciples, what seek ye? And the scripture that's attached there comes from John chapter 1. That's the beginning of the story. The rest of the story um, is kind of this, this symbol, really, for what the entire New Testament is. So starting in verse 38, a little bit of backstory, these are, coming to Jesus, the apostles of John the Baptist. Some people actually think that John chapter 1 might have been written by either John the Baptist himself or someone writing from his perspective because it's focused on him. Uh, whether that's true or not, his disciples, John the Baptist, points and directs towards Jesus. And so you have these couple of disciples who are following this Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 38, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? What do you want? And they said unto him, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? And then perhaps one of my favorite phrases in the entire New Testament, verse 39, He saith unto them, Come and see. I think the first thing that the New Testament really does for people um, is it introduces them to who Jesus is, not just that he is, but who he is. What's he like? What's his personality? What are his likes and dislikes? What does he sound like? What does he talk like? What does he act like? It makes Jesus of Nazareth a real person that we can interact with, that we can build a relationship with. I think that's why I love the New Testament so much is just that of just, this is him. Mm -hmm. This is him talking. This is him interact. Well, just what you just said. It's so, so fun. These accounts, uh, Matthew, both Matthew and John were written by people that knew Jesus firsthand. Uh, Mark was written, most people suspect, from actually Peter's perspective, so that Mark might have been a scribe for Peter. So there's another account written from someone that knew Jesus firsthand. And so you have these gospel writers that were intimately acquainted with this Jesus, and they want to describe him in as much detail as they can to those that they know will read their record. 
And so the first thing the New Testament does is it shows us who Jesus is. We come to Christ and we see who he is. And that's what happens to these disciples here in John chapter 1. They come to the Savior and he asks them to follow him and they get to see who he is. And, and that, that invitation is extended all throughout the whole New Testament. You'll see him multiple times telling people, come follow me, come see what I'm doing, come do what I'm doing, come learn from me, come listen to me. It's all throughout all of Scripture. The first step, in fact, in discipleship might be just coming to the Savior and getting to know who he is and what he's like. The second thing that happens is this. One of the two which heard John speak, this is verse 40, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Two things I like about this. Number one, as kind of a side note, I love that without an Andrew, there's no Simon Peter. I love that the beginning of John is a story of, of, of missionary work, of we found the Messiah and you have to come see this. We've come to see who Jesus is and you have to come see him too. Once we get to know who the Savior is, we can't rest without sharing that with other people, without helping them see who he is and helping them experience what we've experienced. Isn't that what the beauty is of of this new curriculum is just that study on your own, do that personal study and see who he is and then share it. Teach someone else. Yeah. Your, your spouse, your children, your or neighbors, be taught your group. by someone else. Exactly. The second thing I like about this though, is that when, when Simon comes to meet the savior, that Jesus redefines who he is. Again, this is another thing that Jesus does all throughout the gospels is he sees people and then he helps them see themselves the way that he sees them. So if step one is we come and see Jesus, step two is that he helps us see ourselves. I promised myself I wouldn't dig too much into future episodes, but just one small example. You'll remember in a couple of chapters that Jesus is walking down the street and this woman who has had an issue of blood for multiple years reaches out, touches the hem of his garment in the hopes that just touching his clothes will change her. This woman has been living on the streets for years. And after living on the streets for years, you can only imagine the kind of identities that she has picked up about herself. No one has touched her. No one has loved her. No one has even spoken to her for years. And here she is trying to reach out and in as inconspicuous a way as possible, touch the robes of this healer from Nazareth. Of course, he notices, he turns around, he gets down, and the first thing he says to her, which if you learn anything about Jesus through the New Testament, you learn this, that the, almost always the first thing out of his mouth is something about the identity of the person he's talking to. So the first thing out of his mouth to her is, daughter, he wants her to know you are not who everyone else says you are. You are not what the past 12 years have taught you that you are. You are a daughter of God. Well, he does the same thing here to Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you a rock. I'm going to call you my rock. Of course, later on, he'll tell him on that same play on words, I'm going to take you, this rock, and make you the bedrock of the church. I'm going to build upon your stalwartness, your testimony, your revelation, an entire church that's going to go forth and fill the entire earth. 
So step one, we come and see who Jesus is. Step two, he helps us see who we are. And I love here in this footnote of verse 42, he says, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. But here in the footnotes of verse 42, it says that Cephas is a stone or a pebble, which kind of gives a little bit of a different interpretation of what, I mean, you look at a stone, that sounds a little bit more powerful than a pebble. Um, and I think that just re-emphasizes that teaching that God can take anything, however small, a pebble, and turn it into something great. And that's the truth of, of what, what God can do with our lives. And I love, love that teaching. The third point I think we learn about the story is that once we see who Jesus is, and once he helps us see maybe more clearly who we are, we then are challenged to become like him. Um, in what you just shared, I think Jesus is, of course, the rock of our foundation. And I wonder if there's a little bit in there where Jesus looks at Peter and says, you are just this small pebble, but if you stay with me, I can make you something like me. There's that great reference we shared at the end of our Book of Mormon podcast where uh, when the Savior comes again in Moroni chapter 7, it says, We shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. And so point number three is that we start to become like the Savior. Now here at the beginning of John, Peter, Simon Peter, isn't yet like the Savior. He's this raw, unrefined, kind of clumsy fisherman that over the course of the Gospels becomes polished and refined until when you get to the end of the New Testament and you read Peter's epistles, he's this powerful, spiritual, uh, healing church leader. Um, in John chapter 21, the very end of the book of John, the Savior refers back to this moment at the beginning. Uh, if you'll remember, this is when the is after the resurrection. The apostles have seen Jesus. They know that he's resurrected, and now he's left them with the challenge that they go into all the world and preach the gospel. So here they are on the shores of Galilee, and Peter says to those that are with him, I'm going fishing. And so they go out fishing. They struggle throughout the entire night. They don't catch anything. And of course, the next morning, Jesus sees them out on the water. They don't recognize who he is yet, but he tells them to cast their nets on the right side of the boat. They haul in all of these fish, which is just what he did at the beginning of the book. And after that, they recognize who he is. And so he sits down with them on the shore and he has this exchange with Peter, except he doesn't call him Peter. Verse 4, this is John chapter 1, uh, verse 15. Chapter 21. Chapter 21, sorry. Verse 15. When they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Meaning, do you love me more than these fish? Why would he ask Simon that question? Well, first of all, he just, he told him three and a half years ago, I will make you a fisher of men. And here, at the end, after he's resurrected, he gives them that same commandment. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And here's Simon sitting on the seashore doing what he did three and a half years ago. Essentially, the Savior saying unto him, you haven't yet become the Peter I need you to be. Um, Elder Holland has a great talk on this, which is worth listening. Maybe we'll put that in our show notes as well. 
one of the things Elder Holland points out is that it's almost as if the Savior is saying to him, isn't it clear to you that if I want fish, I can get fish? I want disciples and I need you to go get them. I need you to be something different than you are. And so he references that three times. Simon, son of Jonas. Simon, son of Jonas. And if you're Simon Peter, you're sitting there saying, he gave me a new name and he gave me a challenge to change and I haven't yet done it. Our goal for our study of the New Testament, the goal we would extend to anyone that's listening to this podcast, and the goal that should be anyone that studies the New Testament is to, one, come and see who Jesus is, two, see more clearly who you are, and then three, to change. At the end of this year, you and those that you teach or study with should be like Peter. You should have left the shores, left the fish, and gone to change and become something new and something great and something powerful. I just can't get out of my head that thought from President Benson that, you know, when you turn your life over to God, he will make so much more out of it. And that's exactly what what we're seeing here through that story. So what does all of this have to do with you as you begin your study um, this week? As we dive in, um, I've just had a couple thoughts. The first one is get behind that idea of coming to Jesus, finding out who he is, and finding out what he can make of you, of the little pebble or stone that you might feel like. What can he do? And find out your why, because I feel like that is where the fire starts, is understanding the reason you are coming to the scriptures. The reason is not because you need to get in 10 minutes of scripture study. The reason now has become, I mean, the bar has been raised, I guess is the Mm -hmm. phrase we use in the church a lot, that it is a way, a reason for you to connect to God through Jesus Christ, through learning about what he is, who he is, and what he does. Um, And that is where the power comes. And understanding that your children, your classmates, your people in your primary class or your Sunday school class should also be entitled to finding out their why too. And that will build so much strength as we begin this study, is let them explore why they're studying the scriptures. They're not just studying the scriptures because they have to be at church or because mom and dad are telling them to, but let them feel maybe your why and then let them feel their own. Um, and that that's just the second point that I've just been thinking of so much is that idea that we are all capable learners. It doesn't matter your skill set. It doesn't matter how much you know. And it doesn't matter your age. The Spirit is going to teach and we can be taught by each other in in all of those different ways. You know, I think that's an important point. One of the things that I think we we often miss about scripture study in the church is we get so focused on the intellectual aspects of scripture study. Um, we get excited about new scriptural insights. We learn this about the culture of Jesus' day or this Greek word or that, all of which are wonderful. And some of those things will show up in this podcast. And can be cool. And can be cool and they enhance your study. But that's not the goal of scriptures. The goal of scripture study is not to learn more or know more about the scriptures. The scriptures are just a tool to help you get closer to God. And that means that anyone 
can approach the scriptures, study the scriptures, and teach the scriptures to anyone else. You don't need a background in Greek or a knowledge of the different references or uh, have all of this these cool insights. You just need to know who God is and that you want to come closer to him and the scriptures can help you get there. Yeah, and like we learned from Elder Christofferson about these people that gave their lives to give put the scriptures into the hands of everyone, no matter what your education level was, no matter how well you think you need to know things. Um, this is for everyone. God wants to speak to us. The scriptures are his tool to do, one of his tools to do that. And we are capable of learning and we, he, he will teach us beautiful and wonderful things as we study about him. Thank you so much for joining with us this first episode of season two. If this has helped you or it's a helpful resource for you, we would love it if you spread it to other people. Uh, Follow us on Instagram or subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And let's jump in. Yeah, send us feedback. We love to hear what you're learning and if you think we're cheesy. (laughs) We'll see you next week.